Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. In today's episode, we're going to listen to an old recording from my book, Sharing Treasure. This was originally published in 2018. It's available on Amazon, and it's broken up into a number of different sections. So definitely check out the title to make sure you're listening in chronological order. And please enjoy this section of the book, which is part one, failure. Deception, a rusty treasure. There has been many lies I have spewed out of my mouth, some out of ignorance, and some out of malicious intent to control. I used to believe that lying was bad in all forms. It did not matter what the lie was. If it was a lie, it was bad. I was also five when I believed this, so maybe there was something to learn about lying. Maybe there was a lot to learn. I was in kindergarten and had a birthday party, so the whole class was invited. I opened presents later that night at home, and some of which I liked, and some I did not. One of the presents I did not enjoy was a string of fish lights, similar to Christmas tree colored lights, but with fish bulbs. I was five, and fish lights were not what I wanted. The next day at school, many of the kids asked me if I enjoyed their presents. My response to all of them was a definitive yes. Finally, as if anticipating the question, my friend asked me if I liked his gift, the fish lights. I stared blankly into his soul and said, no, they're stupid. He burst into tears and did not speak to me for the rest of the week. Telling him the truth was a good thing though, right? Friends don't lie to each other, right? I was upset he did not like the truth. I was upset that he became upset. The truth is supposed to be a good thing, so why did it hurt? I did not understand how I was supposed to act. My parents told me that I have to apologize if we were ever going to be friends again. They explained that friends are kind to each other, that friends do not hurt each other's feelings. I did not want to apologize because the apology was a lie. I did not like the fish lights, and I was not sorry I did not like them. They told me that lying to him would have been better, that by telling him I liked his present, I would have been cultivating a longer-lasting relationship, even if I hated the gift he got me. I reluctantly apologized to him later, while our mothers stood and watched. If I was to receive these now, they would be put to good use. I would throw them up in my room and have a fish ball. Everyone is invited again. Or I would at least tell you a white lie about how I was going to put them up and have not found the time. However, being five years old, I did not want to lie to my friend. I wanted him to know the truth. They sucked. Here, my parents are telling me that lying would have been the better plan. So in my head, lying was something to become better at, especially if I was going to have friends. It was something to be worked on and leveled up like a skill in a video game. The more I used this skill, the more I could get away with it. The more I used it, the more proficient I would become. This was a skill I first thought of as bad. Lying was a rusty token that if I worked hard enough, 
If I put enough elbow grease into it, I could make it shine like a treasure. I am amazed at how far I took this. I lied to many of my friends. Almost every lie I remember has come from my mouth to protect myself or elevate my perceived status. Like one time I lied in second grade that I saw two people having sex on a public bench. The truth is that I saw my parents having sex. Or the lie I told Phil that I did not take the $100 from his room and then gave it to a mutual friend to give back. Sorry, Phil. Or the lie I told my friend that I would not fool around with his girlfriend. I still feel bad about it, horrible even, because I do not deserve his friendship. Partly because he's such a good guy, and partly because I do not want to ruin what connection we have remaining, so I never told him. Or the lie I told about being part of a secret society of powerful families. This one did not make any sense, literally none. And I made it up as I told the lie over and over for years. I think the person I told finally caught on because one day they simply never brought it up again. I have no idea what I would say if they brought it up now. Probably something like, um, they wiped my mind. This lie about the secret society started off because I had a social breakdown at a party and could not think of anything else. It was a high school party, and I felt like my friends at the party were watching me, were judging me, and I did not like the attention. My best friend at the time, Ivory, noticed I was becoming upset and wanted to console me. She took me off to the side and asked me what was happening. I did not want to appear weak and said, they're all watching me. They're always watching me. I can't get away from them. They always want to know everything. Other kids were walking around us and taking note of the tears now slowly rolling down my cheeks. I was crying because I did not want to lie, but I did not want to be weak either. I was torn between lying to my best friend and not being strong enough to handle the social pressures of high school drama the one-upmanship, and wild teenage kids at a party. So, I lied. I lied to protect my ego, to elevate my perceived status. We walked into the bathroom and I gave her the same thing, again between sobs, nose-blowing, and tear-wiping. They're always listening. I can't fully explain it to you. It won't make sense, and you won't believe it. But Ivory didn't give up. She kept prodding, until I found something that she would not question. It has to do with my family. We're not normal. I just learned about it recently, and there's still so much I don't understand. The lie twisted itself with reality as it rolled off my tongue. The best lies are told with a little bit of truth in them. This way, the lie is received as genuine. At least, that is what I believed. The other kids at the party were watching me. Someone was always listening. High school gossip did spread quickly. And I was learning more about my family. There were things I did not want to learn about, but this is part of growing up, part of taking responsibility for your life. I changed my behaviors to back up the lie with Ivory. I stopped talking about certain things in the car because it was bugged. I stopped using words to communicate in my house because there were hidden cameras, 
and I had to motion things with my eyes instead. The story was, my family became one of the many powerful families in a worldwide secret organization controlling societies from the shadows and influencing the lives of those around us. As I was 18, I was the newest member, making my way into the ranks through a rite of passage. It was a wild story to live. I was forced to make changes about how I approached an event or a party. The lie did not change who I was as a person, but it always put me on edge about being caught. The more I lied, the more I had to work to remember the lies. I had told so many already for this story, and the lie was falling apart, especially when I attempted to connect it to Gabriel, the hand of God. Yep, that is when shit just did not add up anymore. She probably did not believe most of the lie to begin with, but her trust in me gave the story some room to grow, to breathe. After I told her that, it was never brought up again. I was lying to protect myself from a mistake I made, but the lie only compounded because of the pain that I caused in others. Lies attempt to cover up pain, but instead create more, because with a lie, trust is broken twice. The first time is when a lie is told. The second time is when a lie is kept alive. If we are honest about our mistakes, owning up to the failures we make, trust does not break. A person who fails can try again. A liar is tossed outside in the cold. They cannot be trusted. I did not want to be a liar, but I was. Lying is the reason my parents could not trust me while I was growing up. Anytime something went missing, I was blamed because I had been caught stealing or lying in the past. There were a couple of occasions where my parents blamed me for taking something when they had simply misplaced it. But how could they know when to trust me? How could they know when I was lying or not? It's a weird feeling to grow up as a kid and not think that your parents will trust everything you say. An analogy I enjoy comparing it to is living life like a trapeze artist, and it's your first time on the trapeze. You look down to see the net below, the net being your parents, and you think it's for protection should you fail. But I could not see the net. My net was fading far from my sight, near invisible. I could not see it, even if it was there. And this left me feeling like I could not swing freely on the trapeze, because, should I fail and fall, I would die. Being too honest does not help either. Like the fish lights. <laughs> and I was also too honest with an ex one time. I told her some horrible things because I was in pain and did not understand what I wanted. I did not mean to hurt her, but misery loves company. I had been going to AA and NA at around the time. Part of recovery is they tell you to be true and honest with those around you that you have hurt and separate yourself from people, places, and things that are connected to the substance of abuse. In this instance, the abuse was on my emotions, and I thought that being honest about who I was, how I felt, and what I had done would free me from the abuse. The plan was to be honest about the pain I felt about her dating my close friend, and how I felt I deserved this betrayal because of prior cheating, which I had lied about. 
and so I told the truth. And it hurt. Long story short, the plan sucked. I opened up old wounds and invited her into a space of pain and anguish, because that's where I was. I do not know how to get out of it, I thought to myself. I broke up a friendship she had with someone else who lied on my behalf. I asked her not to speak to me anymore because it was too painful to have her in my life, and months later I regretted it and wished I could have called. Opening old wounds about lying is not always the best thing to do. We still do not speak, and probably never will. Being an honest person can be difficult. There's one instance in grade school where I did not want to tell my friends that I was not in the mood to play. As I walked away from them, they continued to follow me around the classroom. I complained to the teacher, and she told me that I was popular, and that I would have to be responsible for the things that came with being popular, like being nice to people, and we know how that turned out. I did not like this title or the responsibilities, and I attempted to redefine myself as something else. What I eventually became was a loner. I did not want to be honest or lie anymore, but what I created instead was an existence of isolation. This was a failure in relationships. I was running from my problems. It is something I'm still tempted to do. In middle school, all of the kids would meet up in town and hang out in cliques. I did not like getting rides because I did not want to be placed into one clique or the other. I would walk down my street to the train tracks and show up in town out of darkness. I enjoyed the attention while it lasted, always appearing a little mysterious. I was taking a route that no one else was, and I liked to believe it intrigued them. By not traveling the prescribed routes of others, I was forced to carve my own path. Everyone would hang out, run around, buy candy, and whatever else kids do. And sometimes I would climb up the fire escape of the buildings and watch the little packs of kids travel from one store to the other. I would watch as kids were picked up, one by one, and I was either the last to leave, or I would leave without saying anything, returning to the darkness from whence I came. But the mysterious kid becomes a little creepy if he keeps up the charade for too long. People like to know who their friends are. Too much information, and they're overwhelmed with your personality. Too little information, and they have this weird feeling about you that something just isn't quite right. I have found that my true friendships come from an acceptance of differences, a complementary mesh of ideology resulting in both learning, growing, and a desire to continue to play like kids, even as we grow older. Though the learning and growing part can be a bit bumpy on the road at some instances, my knowledge of sexuality began at a young age because I was informed about it when I was young. For some reference, my grandmother showed my aunts and mother the different parts of the vagina on herself when they were young, and on another occasion, showed them what sperm looked like under a microscope. My grandmother made the comment to them that, you don't know what I had to do to get this, so pay attention. So, you could say that my childhood had a verbal equivalent. My parents have a tradition of telling my brother and I our birth stories on our birthday, 
It's fun, especially as we get older, but it exposed me to a lot as a child. I never shied away from explaining where babies came from or how they were made. When I was younger, I would walk in on my parents having sex, and I've done it so many times that they used to joke I had a sixth sense for when they were going at it. You could say it wasn't a sheltered home. If I had questions about something, my parents explained it. In turn, I would share everything with my friends, who may have been more sheltered. It seemed that I was good at being the bad influence. One time, I got into trouble in first grade while standing in line with my class. We were leaving gym and heading back to the classroom. Beth was standing behind me, and she was bumping into me. In fact, she was bumping into me with her pelvis. The innocent little girl did not know what she was doing, besides vying for my attention. It was annoying, so I turned to her and said, What are you trying to do? Have sex with me? She knew sex was not a term meant for public settings and told on me. I am betting that night her parents told her a little bit more about the birds and the bees. I lost my virginity at 16 to an older girl. Her name was Wendy. I had class with her, and we would flirt from time to time. One day, while watching a movie in class, our flirting got me touching her boobs and holding heavy eye contact. The excitement and buildup of all our flirting, mixed with the tension of being in class and maybe being caught, resulted with us meeting up after school. We met between our houses and were making out against the fence when she told me we should just go back to my house as no one was home. I was nervous because I wanted to lose my virginity but did not want anyone to know it was with this girl. She was perceived as a bad girl and her close circle of friends did not get along with everyone else. She also dated a hothead off and on, and he was not afraid to start a fight. We agreed that we would not tell anyone about what we did together. It would be our secret. We got to my house and went into my room. As we were making out, she asked if I had a condom. When I replied that I did not, she said she had one, and that I was lucky. She took it out and put it on me. I was so uneasy about the situation, yet so excited about the experience, I could barely feel my body. She positioned me, and as I slid inside of her, moving back and forth, she said, even though no one is going to know about this, I will always know that I was the one who took your virginity. Apparently, she had taken a couple of virginities already, had a thing for him even, and I was just one more person for her to count on her records. I was not into it. I did not feel like more of a man, because she made me feel less than dirty. A notch, a number to her. I was nothing. I stayed inside until we were talking a little more, and at this point I told her my parents were coming home, and that we would need to leave. We put our clothes back on, and I walked her back to that halfway point between our houses. I did not like what had happened, and wanted to distance myself from her. I wanted to avoid the social isolation of being associated with her and save my skin in case her ex ever dated her again. I never hung out with her again after class, and it was a year later that she offered to have sex with me, with her friend, 
if I paid them $50. I said no, and presumed they were going to buy drugs with the cash, though I didn't ask. This is not the story I have told everyone about losing my virginity. The story I tell is what happens two months after Wendy, where I had class with this older girl, and we went to a carnival, then back to my place, and had hot and steamy sex. It was a good story, and it was true, but it was not how I lost my virginity. Another lie woven with truth. My rusty treasure only needed a good buff before people were dazzled by it. I have had the opportunity to have sex with virgins, and I could never go through with it, and would self-sabotage to avoid it. I felt like taking virginity was like stealing someone's soul. It was not until recently that I made the connection that my own negative experience is why I disliked the idea. I did not want to be that guy for someone else, as Wendy was for me. She quietly thought to herself that she was the one who took it, reveling in her conquest. Plus, I believed I would eventually let these girls down, better sooner rather than later, right? I have few closed doors in my openness for sexual experiences. Where my failures in relationships come from is a refusal to let people in. In relationships past, when in pain, I would create a bitter cycle to remain in the pain instead of moving on. I subconsciously took on behaviors to continue the pain, like self-talk that was filled with demoralizing and demonizing rhetoric. I believed I deserved to be in pain because I had caused others pain. This was a self-fulfilling punishment, a colossal failure. I have noted in recent relationships that I begin to distance myself when I feel too close to someone. I do not want to leave myself open to be hurt, but then I don't feel anything. Or I believe the feeling of excitement is mutual and lay myself on the table for the slaughter. I open up too quickly, or I'm not playing the cat and mouse game that often brings some excitement into the mix. When this happens, they walk away, and I don't blame them. I cannot blame them. There is nothing wrong with being who you are and failing in a relationship, whether personal or romantic. A failure in a relationship means a lesson needs to be learned. Something did not work. You did not know what it was before, but you do now. You can use it to become a better person. And that's the aim. We do not always want to learn from our failures. It's difficult. It's work. And instead of doing the work, we fabricate stories around what happened to relieve ourselves of fault. The self-talk sounds like, it wasn't my fault he spoke about that. It wasn't my fault she decided to do that. It was not my fault is the start of running away. Somehow, in some way, the failure is your fault. Even if after the story has been told, the failure is only partly yours. I know I have played a part in every single failure I have with people once the facts are all laid out. I could tell you wild stories about how it wasn't my fault, and you would believe them, but it would not be true. A misspoken word, a miscalculated action, 
or a misunderstanding of belief. They're mistakes, and you don't have to make them again. The next time, you can be better. There is no growth in deception. Throw away this rusty treasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of How You Level Up, where I ask questions to help you become your best self. Now, I put this podcast together because I wanted to help you build up your emotional independence, your communication skills, and take the next step in your personal philosophy. If you liked this episode, turn on your phone and hit the like and subscribe button, give a five-star rating, and I'll see you on the next episode of How You Level Up.